Before we get started with this episode of the game, I have to ask one question. What are you doing on Saturday, June 23rd? If your answer is, I don't know, Andrew, then come on through to the Chesapeake Arts Center for story time. We got the Hollow Party performing our songs off of our EP timing and some special backstories that you might not know that went into the making of this EP. We got a bunch of great acts as well, Jocelyn Farrow, Norma D. Wood, and this is a special sit-down kind of storyteller's unplugged show with a live strings and a piano player who's going to be performing with us, and that's going to be a very special experience. Tickets are $15. You can DM me, comment in the podcast section, the comment section, or just go online and search up Storytime, The Hollow Party, and you can get them there. So we hope to see you out. It's going to be a great show, and let's get on with the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, what a week it's been for wrestling, sports in general, any kind of form of entertainment. We got the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals Fallout, and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion Pay-Per-View, all of which are going to be covered right here on the game. I'm Andrew Vandellis, and let's just jump into it. First with the Stanley Cup Finals. The Washington Capitals beat the Vegas Golden Knights in five games after Vegas took game one at home. And as a Maryland native, I can't help but just be happy for Alex Ovechkin finally getting his Stanley Cup after nearly a decade and a half in the NHL. He had he had plenty of help with uh, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Braden Holpe's just star-making, legacy-cementing performance as one of the best goalies in the league. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look at Game 2 of the Finals and watch that incredible save he had with his stick. Meanwhile, Ovechkin's putting on a Hall of Fame-worthy performance, scoring nearly every game in the playoffs, not even just the finals, and he did end up getting the finals MVP trophy for that, and Washington, for the first time in nearly two and a half decades, you are world champions. And I'm not going to beat around the bush either. We got to congratulate the Vegas Golden Knights on a fantastic inaugural season, wiping the floor and mopping everyone in the Western Conference in under seven games in each of their series, but they came up a little bit short to the Washington Capitals. I think they had a little bit of an experience edge overall as a chemistry with the team there. As you know, like Backstrom and and Ovechkin have been on the team for over a decade. Braden Holpe was really in his element in the finals, and I think when, when push came to shove, the Capitals got it done, and <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that given the recent history of Capitals in the playoffs. But back to Vegas, hats off to them. They put on an amazing experience there for Vegas, and this really gets them excited for the future of sports in Nevada and Las Vegas. If you don't have a West Coast team to root for, Vegas is the place to be. That's all I got to say. It's a city where UFC and boxing fights are world-renowned, and now you got a hockey team that's truly credible, truly a contender for years to come. And in a couple of years, you're going to have the Raiders, much to the chagrin of anyone in Oakland. But the Washington Capitals are your Stanley Cup champions, and the party's going to rage on for a long, long time in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. So hats off to them there. I commend them. But we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm going to plug my boys No Capes and their song Headlights. The game will be right back with some fallout from the NBA Finals. Stay tuned. 
Big thanks to No Capes for their song Headlights there. Love you guys. And I really hope we get to play a show with you guys this summer. Not too far away. Annapolis is only an hour drive, so let's make it happen, guys. But now to arguably the hottest sports story coming out of the finals. Where does this leave LeBron James after getting swept for nothing by the Golden State Warriors, who now have their second title in three years? And it's just an unbelievable but also controversial story for Golden State. As we know, Kevin Durant left the Thunder in 2016 to join the super team. And Kevin Durant has racked up his second back-to-back NBA Finals MVP. I mean, personally, I think Curry could have gotten it. Um, Really, only him and Durant as the true star makers in that series. Curry went off as well in Game 4, that buzzer, that not necessarily buzzer beater, but last second three-pointer to end the half in Game 4. And you notice something with LeBron. LeBron, towards the five-minute mark left in Game 4, kind of just looked tired. He didn't really look like... He wanted to be there, not necessarily in the finals either. He didn't look like he wanted to be in Cleveland. And now this is going to get very interesting as free agency starts to develop because LeBron has until June 29th to opt out of his contract, his final year in his deal with Cleveland. Is that going to happen? Is it not? I don't know, but Stephen A. Smith, while I do make fun of him a lot on one-on-one sports, has listed seven teams for potential landing spots for the King, LeBron James. Golden State, Boston, who I really don't think is going to happen. Miami's a virtual uncertainty. And now we're going to get into like the top four places I could see LeBron land. The least likely of the options is staying in Cleveland. Why? Because he has no help. He's beaten down. He's tired. He's pissed off at J.R. Smith. He, he broke his hand after game one, and that stayed in the dark until after they got swept. He was wearing a cast around his hand, and apparently he broke a blackboard. Thank God J.R. Smith wasn't there. J.R., hide. Seriously, run away. Find a safe house or a close relative because LeBron's going to be wanted for murder if he gets his hands on you because of the, the dumb play that he made at game one and everyone gives jr crap about not knowing where he is or you know being very hot or cold but you can't make that mistake and i really think that moment in time really was the nail in the coffin for the Cavs here everyone probably could have guessed outside of cleveland that the warriors were gonna absolutely demolish the cavaliers here but after that it really set the tone for the whole final so i doubt he's staying in cleveland Also on the map, you have the Philadelphia 76ers. We know that Joel Embiid and LeBron have been kind of having some banter on Twitter or post games about Joel saying, trust the process, find your new home. And LeBron also looking for schools for his children in Philadelphia, which he also did in L.A., but we will get to that later. But I really don't see him going to Philly as long as Ben Simmons is there. And if I doubt Markel Fultz is ever going to be a starter again unless he drastically improves his shooting game and kind of gets his head into that professional mindset. It's kind of sad, though, that he kind of is the waste of a number one overall pick when you could have gotten Jason Tatum. Ooh, LeBron and Tatum. That could be that could be a sight to see, especially if you put LeBron at the one. But again, Boston, Philly, also unlikely. And then Houston, which is really interesting considering Chris Paul becomes a free agent or they could cut ties with him there. 
Although this this excites me because he could fit in at the three position, filling in for Trevor Ariza, have Ariza come off of the bench. I just don't really, I don't know. I really don't see LeBron, CP3, and Harden all meshing well, kind of because Harden beats to the rhythm of his own drum. And while CP3 is a great role player and a supplementer for superstars like Harden, and he would work very well with LeBron. That's all I got to say there. But I just don't see LeBron kind of switching to Houston because of the lack of potential contendership that they would have. And the Warriors would just get a chance to eliminate him earlier, especially if they meet up in the Western Conference Finals. And that can be said for the number one pick that I have for LeBron to land. It's no secret. It's been in the works for about two years now. LeBron to the L.A. Lakers. And you're probably wondering, Andrew, what's he going to do about Lonzo Ball? Easy. I think LeBron could humble Lonzo Ball in a heartbeat. He could deflate any ego boost that he has, primarily brought about by his father. And I'm sure we all want to see some LeVar-LeBron controversy stir up there. But I think LeBron could be a great mentor to Lonzo Ball. I think he can really get him to stop making mistakes on the court, uh, turnover problems, dumb shots. I think with LeBron as the ball handler there and kind of feeding it to Lonzo and LeBron choosing Lonzo's spots, I think that can elevate his game. And this gets a lot more interesting, especially if they get Paul George. You could have George at the three, LeBron at the power forward, or flip it around. I think LeBron in L.A. gives him the best chance to mix up with veterans and young stars on that team like Lonzo, like Kyle Kuzma. And I think this could just be the powerhouse that takes down Golden State and the checkmate there, especially if you bring in two star small forwards like Paul George and LeBron James. I've always gone on the record and said that Paul George is a poor man's LeBron James. But who knows? Maybe Paul George could fill in the vacancies that LeBron has there, maybe with free throws, three-point percentage as well. And if you have LeBron in the post and Paul George and Lonzo feeding it to LeBron, I think it's a nightmare for any teams because LeBron James is, is the best player of our generation, and we can't discredit him for that. But I think that it could be the best kind of complementary relationship that LeBron can get out of any of the options there. Minus if Boston trades Kyrie, you can look on my Twitter at Vendellis Tweets to find out what I think about that and some banter I had with my buddy Brad Clear. So now on to LeBron and his legacy. And this just gives more fuel to LeBron haters and Michael Jordan lovers that say you can't be the greatest of all time with a three and six record. And I agree. I I really do agree. While MJ did not have very much competition in the finals and he went six and no, but he also got eliminated in the first round. LeBron has proven more dominance in the playoffs. But when the history books are written and you look back at the stats, while LeBron has been performing at a higher level against better competition, the ring argument is never going to go away. And LeBron can't win, live this one down, especially in the age of super teams and in the age of the dominant Golden State Warriors. I just don't see it happening. And I think 2K, NBA 2K, released their cover for NBA 2K19 that put GOAT and King next to LeBron's name. And I really think this came back and shot 2K and LeBron in the foot there because 
you can't be claiming some guy's the GOAT when he taps out with five minutes to go with a broken hand at the end of getting swept when he's basically carrying 10 other players counting the bench and the starting lineup. And I think it's unfortunate for Cleveland as well because Dan Gilbert is going to take a lot of this blame. Tyron Lue's going to take a lot of this blame. And LeBron's not even going to be there to see it. And that leaves just a bunch of unweight, like wasted potential on the Cavs roster because there are some there there are some solid talents in Cleveland. Larry Nance Jr. is a great post player who can put on Showtime dunks, and George Hill is a great defender, great three point shooter. Rodney Hood is was great in Utah, and the mix and match that Cleveland had throughout the year, swapping out players like Jay Crowder and Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, who even like retired for a little bit. It kind of hurt LeBron and his state of mind in the end because, of course, you want to finish number one always. They were the four seed, which LeBron doesn't care about. LeBron's gone on the record to say he doesn't care about the regular season. But this definitely hurts you when you're trying to cement yourself as the greatest of all time. And even if you are the best player in the entire world, if you don't have any help, you are going to drown when it comes to swimming with the Sharks. And those Sharks just got the second NBA title in three years, and they are the Golden State Warriors. Durant is re-signing, and there's no sign of them slowing down. We'll be right back with some Dominion coverage from New Japan Pro Wrestling and a reaction to the main event between Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega Here, again, if you're not doing anything, June 23rd, 8 p.m., come see the Hollow Party at Chesapeake Arts Center in downtown Baltimore, a sit-down style event, open bar, 140 capacity venue with great bands such as Jocelyn Farrow and Normandy Wood supporting us and being there to put on a great night of storytelling and performing some of our finest work there full-string cello, and a piano will be provided to make it an intimate experience that you don't want to forget. So DM The Hollow Party, go to our website, look up tour, hollowparty.com slash tour, and you'll find it there in our Bandcamp page. You can get links to tickets there, $15, bring your friends, bring your family, bring your dog for all I care, and come out and have a fun time. So I'm going to play Ships by The Hollow Party, and then we're going to talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling on the game. Perfect strangers never felt so close Running from the sun First names are all we need to know Turning up, turning up, oh I don't usually act like this Can't stop but I can't resist
Perfect strangers never felt so close Your first name is all I need to know Break free from the way we know No reason to take it slow It's wrong but it feels alright You and I only got one night here on the game to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion that happened around 3 a.m. Eastern Time here today, and Kenny Omega is the new IWGP heavyweight champion of the world, ending Kazuchika Okada's near two-year reign atop the New Japan Pro Wrestling brand. The Rainmaker's reign is over, and I think this was just one of the best matches I've ever seen, a 70-minute classic Two out of three falls match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And this had it all. It had Kazuchika Okada getting the first fall, I believe, on a roll-up that kind of winded Kenny Omega. And they had two-minute breaks in between each fall. And I think the subtle touches here between the Golden Lovers, Kota Ibushi, his friend, his guardian angel, kind of helping him there. And you saw in the opening package before Kenny Omega's entrance, a kind of little Infinity War style thing there with Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club logo fading away and kind of disintegrating there. And Omega being dressed up in the black outfit and and Ibushi in the white suit, kind of showing that good, bad, or guardian angel and mortal kind of dynamic there. And... Meanwhile, you had Gato out there for Okada, and the second and third falls were just amazing, and props to Don, Don Callis and uh, Kevin Kelly for being a, one of the best commentators, not even just professional wrestling, but in all of sports, really doing the best job they can to tell a solid story and putting on one of the best matches and weaving that into the art of pro wrestling as best as anyone has ever done. And it saw Kenny Omega get the second and third falls off of the one-winged angel to become the new IWGP heavyweight champion. And I love the little subtleties in here, man. Kevin Kelly and Don Callis were pointing it out how last time at Dominion a year ago, when the last time Kenny Omega challenged for the IWGP heavyweight championship, that before Okada hit the Rainmaker on the 60-minute time limit, Omega kind of fell to the ground and collapsed, and this time it was Okada collapsing before he got the chance to hit the Rainmaker. You could really tell that this was taking a lot out of the two performers in the ring, and while some claim wrestling is fake, try and tell me that you wouldn't be exhausted after putting on a 70-minute main event match for 12,000 people in Osaka, Japan. I mean, come on. And the best, the best moment in this match for me came right before the third fall, right before the last one-wing angel, when Okada and Omega were leaning up, the, on, leaning up against the ropes and laying down, kind of just pulling each other up, like Okada using Omega's hair, and t- t- to give him leverage just to, 
stand. And then Omega hitting those last those last gasp V trigger and the one winged angel and just capping off a great near two years story starting at Wrestle Kingdom 11 when Okada beat Omega. And now you see Omega's transformation, as you saw in the video package if you watched it, where Omega kind of is having these Vietnam flashbacks to Wrestle Kingdom and to Dominion when it went to the time limit draw and how he's trying to shake that all off and prove that he is the best wrestler in the world today, and he certainly did. But who really is the best wrestler in the entire world? While Kenny Omega is the runaway MVP for this show, I gotta also give it to Chris Jericho and Tatsuya Naito to put it to put on an absolute brawl for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And Chris Jericho, oh my God, dude, how many times can this guy reinvent himself? He, he comes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling and calls himself the Alpha, going against Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12 for the U.S. title. And he's mocking Kenny Omega and saying, you're not the best, I'm the best, I am the Alpha to your Omega I am number one, and not only that, but being a shithead heel and attacking him from behind with the belt, busting him open, which you really never see in Japan, considering they're more of a technical style, storytelling-based kind of promotion other than WWE, who likes to get that shock factor and capture that moment in time, but... Chris Jericho did a great job here with Tetsuya Naito. In his entrance, he came out to Judas, which is his band Fozzie's song. And he also had kind of like the face paint on and the top hat that they had in Clockwork Orange. And that was just an amazing throwback there to show that Chris Jericho ain't fucking around, man. He's not. He's here. He's going to kick your ass. And when Tetsuya Naito came out and for his entrance, Jericho mobbed him. He couldn't even get his suit off. He, um, Jericho put him through the barrier. He DDT'd him onto a table. Naito just took the absolute punishment here, but he didn't give up. Finally getting to his feet, mounting a comeback, and Jericho just kept cutting him down each and every time and he was this big monster heel there that I don't think in, even in WWE we saw him be let alone with the Shawn Michaels rivalry and him just kind of kind of destroying Shawn Michaels at every turn we got to see a full unleashed Chris Jericho here and if you watch WWE, you know that he's a nine-time Intercontinental Champion there and now he's racked up 10 total Intercontinental Championships counting his number 10 in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I, I saw this as a complete shock, but I'm going to say it right here. Chris Jericho is the best wrestler of all time. Pure character work in ring. He is one of the best finishers of all time, the code breaker. No one else really uses it. And this man has reinvented himself more times than I can count. And he's had a 20-plus year in the wrestling business. And every time he comes back, it is something different. I cannot look at a Chris Jericho run and be like, that was a bad run. Even when he came back in 2012 to the WWE and just smiled and had his light up jacket and, and then ended up in a brutal, awesome rivalry with CM Punk come WrestleMania 28. Even then I couldn't fault that. I couldn't fault his match against Dolph Ziggler. And then the comeback in the 2013 Royal Rumble where it was him and Ziggler at the number one and the number two. He loves long-term storytelling and that is how you get not only your character across to the audience, not only make you love them or hate them, but that is how you keep memories fresh in people's head in pro wrestling. You tie in storytelling. You weave it all in. 
And New Japan Pro Wrestling did a great job with this, harking back to Chris Jericho debuting and facing Kenny Omega for the United States title. They showed the video packages there. While WWE has the top-notch production value in the world when it comes to video packages, but New Japan Pro Wrestling, while it's a little choppy at times, Jericho, they really showed why he's a big deal. They really showed that Naito did need to beat Jericho in order to kind of get himself across as the top guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling, other than Kazuchika Okada and now Kenny Omega. But Jericho swept it under his feet, pushed red shoes into the corner of the referee, and low-blowed Tetsuya Naito, a kick in the dick, and then hit the code breaker, one, two, three, and Jericho didn't stop after the bell. He wasn't content on just being the Intercontinental Champion. He wanted to kick the living shit out of Tetsuya Naito, and he proceeded to hit him with the belt, kept stomping on him, tried to bust him open, and then you saw evil from Los Ingrenables de Japón, or however you pronounce that, L-I-J, the, the stable that Tetsuya Naito is the leader of, come down for the save after Jericho took off his belt and started hitting Naito with it over the back. Talk about rubbing salt in the, room, the wound there. But, but as soon as Evil pushed down Jericho and got the belt, Jericho rolled out of the ring with his title, clutched in his arms, laughing, running away, and Chris Jericho is now the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, which proves that he is here to stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And not only that, Kenny Omega has reunited with the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi. It's just incredible storytelling there. Being the Elite is Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson's uh, YouTube channel where they kind of tell behind-the-scenes storylines that they create about the Bullet Club and about the Elite. And everything just kind of culminated in this moment. The three of them, Ibushi... Matt and Nick Jackson kind of embracing all finding common ground in Kenny Omega becoming the man to defeat Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And this was just one of the most satisfying ends to a tale or a storyline that I have seen in a while. And you even got the embrace between the four of them, maybe forming a golden elite stable. Shout out to Brad Clear there for that idea. And... Then you had Cody come out in his suit and just stare down Kenny Omega, even for just a split second before walking away, hinting that Cody isn't going away anytime soon, and he knows that the Bullet Club isn't a priority for Kenny Omega. But Dominion was just amazing. You had other great matches like like Takahashi versus Osprey for the for the junior heavyweight championship. The Young Bucks became IWGP heavyweight champions after moving up and challenging the current champions there. And now the Bullet Club is back to being top dogs in the professional wrestling industry. Not only just the Bullet Club, but the elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, all on top of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I cannot wait to see where they go from here. I was on the edge of my seat at home the entire time throughout this main event. 70 minutes plus, did not get up from my seat once, and the ending was just beautiful, amazing storytelling, and a feel-good moment for the Bullet Club and for the Elite. Woo, that was a lot to talk about. Well, we got it all down in hopefully under 45 minutes there as much as I can, but... 
Once again, June 23rd, if you're not doing anything, come see the Hollow Party at Chesapeake Arts Center. Storytime with Normandy Wood and Jocelyn Farrow performing all your favorite hits off of our timing EP and then some. A cello, a piano, full string orchestra behind us telling you the best stories behind our writing process for the past two years in what I believe is our best work to date in our EP timing. So get those tickets for $15. DM The Hollow Party. Go to our website, thehollowparty.com slash tour. Click the ticket link right there and buy your tickets for this show. You will not want to miss this. Thank you all for listening to the game, and I will see you all very, very soon. Goodbye and good night.